Welcome to another episode on Let's Talk About Us with Uche. I am your host, Uche. If you're new to my podcast, please make sure to download, subscribe, share with the friends and family. If you're new to my YouTube, please make sure to download, subscribe, share with the friends and family. And don't forget to hit that bell notification so anytime I upload a video, you'll be the very first to be notified. And if you are not new to my podcast on my YouTube channel, thank you so much for your continued support. I appreciate your support. Thank you so much. So for today's episode, I am having a discussion with one of my good friends, Chooks. Chooks just like me, is a Nigerian-American, born in Nigeria and living here in the U.S. And I wanted to kind of talk about the typical African family dynamic, you know. Um, and I didn't want to just talk about it on my own. I also wanted to get like a, an insight, a second opinion from another Nigerian-American or African-American or African who lives in America. So, Chus, you want to give us uh, an introduction of yourself? Sure. Uh, so, hi, everyone. My name is Chooks. I also go by Chukuma, and I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chooks, for agreeing to do this with me. Like I said earlier, this is a topic that I have been meaning to talk about for a while. Obviously, we are grown men, and we live in America, and in um, as much as we're American citizens now, you know, naturalized American citizens, our stories started in Africa. Right. And um, it... It makes us unique. It makes our stories unique. You know, part of the things that have shaped our mentalities, you right. know, all the all, all throughout our lives, you know, started in Nigeria. I was born in Aba. I don't know about you, but I was born in Aba. I grew up in Aba. Um, I lived in Aba for the, the entire time I lived in Nigeria until I moved to America. And of course, my American experience, you know, added to my my the, my whole picture as a human being. And it's been good and also been bad. You know, so I kind of want to talk about that typical Nigerian family dynamic that has shaped who we are, starting from Nigeria. I am under the impression that the typical Nigerian family dynamic is very toxic, unfortunately. I don't know about you, but from my observation, from a lot of what I see, I see that there's a lot of enmity within families. Um, there's always some auntie, you know that has issues with your mom, mm -hmm. or your mom has issues with the, uh, your father's people, the in-laws. Right. There's so much enmity, you know? And I find it very interesting and ironic, considering the fact that we're so religious, you know, we're all Jesus right. people, mm -hmm. you know, we all pray to God, <laughs> we all go to church, you know, on yeah. Sunday, every Sunday, you know, some people Seventh-day Adventists every Saturday, they don't miss church. They worship the same God, but then at the same time, too, there's so much enmity. Right. And I just wanted to talk about that because I feel like this is something that we need to talk about. Right. Okay. Uh, if, if you don't mind me, uh, like, you know, chiming in, uh, when you <coughs> mentioned uh, toxicity, I, I don't think I noticed that when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I think I started noticing it uh, when I became a little bit older, mm -hmm. uh, maybe when I was 10, 11. I think uh, when I was younger, I think I was shielded away from you know, conversations or mm -hmm. events like that. I mean, of course, I can remember seeing some toxic toxic events, mm -hmm. but I didn't think anything about it until, like, you know, I grew up, I was like, oh, this happened, that happened. Um, <coughs> I don't know. I, I think you grew up in a large family. Partly, yeah. Yeah, I, I grew up with just me and my grandma. So for the most part, mm -hmm. it was just us. Uh, anyone that comes around is just maybe visiting mm -hmm. or staying with us for wow mm -hmm. so i didn't really it was just us together you know for the most part of time of course you know i you know regularly visit family friends mm -hmm. you know in different states but um i guess maybe your experience was like you know you experienced a lot you had a lot of um, experience with um you know 
I think uh, my my our experience is also kind of similar because I also grew up with, partly with my grandma. Yeah. But mm-hmm. before I get down to talking about that, you mentioned something that actually stood out to me. You didn't know that these behaviors were toxic. I didn't know. I thought it was just normal, regular bubbles, you know, exactly stuff like that. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't know. I didn't think about it like you know to be a big deal uh, until you you know. Uh, you started thinking about it. I was like, okay, this is this is messed up. This is this is not right mm-hmm. for like you said, being Christians, you know, and just taking that back to church. Um, we pray, we ask for forgiveness, and then we go do all these like things, and we are extreme Christians. Exactly, like, we, we take it overboard. Yep. So yeah, and we judge a lot of people. You know, exactly. It's yeah. I didn't think about it that way until like you know, I grew up. I was like, okay, that's. That's not supposed to be happening that way. Yeah, exactly, and that's exactly what I was talking about. Like we, we, we normalize it. It becomes part of our culture, right? And unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand that this mentality is actually negative. It's, it's it hinders our our progression in a way. And I understand a lot of Nigerians who have never had the privilege of leaving Nigeria. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's all they know. So they perpetuate it, right? But right. unfortunately, you see, there are some Nigerians who move to the west say like america and they come with the same mentality and then when they raise their kids they try to raise their kids with the exact same mentality right. you know which could be problematic a lot of times you know um there are some positive that could come come out from some of these behaviors in my, in my opinion you know in a way um when nigerians are so competitive i think that competition in my opinion anyway is fueled by narcissistic behavior mm-hmm. and a lot of times um when we push our kids you have to be the best. You have to be the best. The kid ends up being the best a lot of times, right? But at what cause? You I was know, say, mental health problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times you see kids who are, you have to get straight A's, have to get straight A's. You don't live your life. You don't, you don't get to work. be a kid. Exactly. You don't yeah. get to be a kid. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You don't have a social life. You're a doctor. You don't, you never dated. Maybe you're still a virgin. You don't, you're that awkward social kid in a social gathering. You don't have any people skills. You know, these things can be mental, mentally um, draining. And then uh, uh, you also know the whole virginity thing. You know, you have to not, no sex before marriage. And then all of a sudden you have to, you're expected to get married. And then you don't even, you haven't even gotten the the opportunity to explore yourself, your sexuality, to know what you want. And now you're getting married to somebody that you may not even be sexually compatible with. And he's probably cheating on you or she's probably cheating on you. You know, all kinds of fuckery. Okay, so this is this is this is the issue that I have that I feel like part of it has become incorporated in our system. And I, th- I think part of it, too, is part of the reason why um, this is being perpetuated from generation to generation is also, like I mentioned before, the way Nigerians raise their kids, especially in Amer- in Nigeria, not necessarily in America. Um, the kid has no power to challenge. You don't challenge authority. You know, yes. when your parents tell you to do something mm-hmm. or they tell you this is the way it is, you don't ever challenge it. Yeah, uh, it's also always like a yes. Uh, you got to say yes to everything. You don't question authority. Mm-hmm. Authority. I mean, I think you can see that in government too. It, it spills over to the government. Uh, you know, um, of course, the answers, everything apart from answers, just everything else happening in Nigeria. Um, we are expected to take it as it is because this is a government, and uh, you see a lot of older people saying, "Oh." We have lived before you, so whatever exactly. we say, it is. It is what it is. Um, oh, the youth is not supposed to challenge the government because, mm-hmm. and they have all these stupid proverbs about, 
oh, we, we know more than you what an elder sees from the top. Exactly. From the and all <laughs> this is just like, you know, keep you uh, situated there. And of course, when Subdued. you, yeah, when you as a youth grow up and become uh, an adult, you use that on the youth coming exactly. up. Exactly. You tell them the same thing. Exactly. You say, oh, this is how it is. This is how my forefathers did it. Exactly. And it, I think it also goes down to the culture. You know, culturally, exactly uh, how you know we see women and how we see everyone else around mm-hmm. us. It's always men first, and everyone else mm-hmm. to the bottom. And uh, it's always all the people first, but everyone on the bottom. So yeah, it, it's it's a really it's, it's a real bad. Um, I guess I'll call it a pandemic. It is a pandemic. It's a hot mess. (laughs) And and I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because when the whole uh, NSARS thing happened, I made a couple of episodes to describe, you know, my Mm -hmm. my own opinion on that. And I remember one of the episodes that I made, I said that a lot of people are not looking at the bigger picture. The SARS people that we're fighting, or at least we claim to fight, they are we they represent us. Right. You know what I mean? The government, they represent us. And. It's, it's sad for me to admit, but if you were to go to any quarter of Nigeria and take a random Nigerian person and put them in power, they would do the exact same thing. True. They perpetuate the exact same they behavior. Will. They will. It's easier for the average Nigerian citizen to look at the government and blame it on the government because they are not benefiting from that corruption right. directly. But the truth is the corruption runs from up all the way to all down the way and to it's the, much deeper to the child that's <clears throat> yet to be unborn <laughs> exactly yes. and, and i remember i used this example um when i said imagine let's say you were made a governor mm-hmm. right and as a governor you want to make a difference and governor right. nigeria you want to make a difference right. you want to you know pave the tarred roads and open up this and open up that and build churches and build markets for people and things like that right mm-hmm. and, but that means you're going to deprive yourself of a lifestyle that people automatically try to associate you with True. you know the mansions and the, maybe the private jets and the exotic vacations right. and things like that right mm-hmm. let's say you're you're a governor and you're depriving yourself of those things because you're trying to help your citizens out. Your own wife will come and be telling you, look at this one, Mumu. Yes. Eh, you are there. Your mates are building mansion. <laughs> yeah, eh? You, you want to save this place. They're the same people that, that were complaining about the government. Yeah. Ten years ago, five years ago. But now this is the opportunity to be that government be and that. make that difference. Make the difference that you, you, you claim that you want. Right? right, your right. wife, your mother, your friends, everybody will be looking at you like you're some some idiot. You know what I'm saying? So there's so much pressure for you to conform to that, and that is that mentality that I'm talking about that right. is keeping us where we're at. And if to add to that, and you know that governorship or you know political um, appointment will always be tied back to a blessing and tied back to the church that oh mm-hmm. your friends will say oh this is a blessing this mm-hmm. is your turn exactly to. and they don't they don't even, they don't see anything wrong with it they just call it a blessing a blessing they tie it to god and mm-hmm. that's about it and of course i think i think when they start having that conversation i don't think they ever you know, think about oh, this is the government that mm-hmm. you know we were complaining about mm-hmm. five or ten years ago when we were in the power. Mm-hmm. They just all tied up to <coughs> blessing, and this is my turn to like you know mm-hmm. make money for God myself has that because my God has blessed me. <laughs> and that's case closed. Uh, we're not gonna talk about oh how we're gonna deprive the poor people mm-hmm. of like the basic amenities you mm-hmm. get. So it's that thing. Um, everything is always Christianity and religion, and mm-hmm. yeah. 
everything is tied to that. Mm-hmm. Everything I, in Nigeria. And I look at it from a much bigger perspective because when I look at even the the average Nigerians who criticize the government, the people, the political leaders um, who enrich themselves at our detriment, right? right. The people criticizing are no different. And it's also True. forced me to look at myself in the mirror, like how much of this am I also perpetuating in my own personal life? True. And part of that means let me to, I, I've been through so much therapy, currently going through therapy right now, mm-hmm. and looking inward, try to undo a lot of toxic behaviors that I absorbed growing up, right? And I've talked about this. I've talked about my history, my family, um, and other uh, podcast episodes. I was born in Nigeria, and within months of being born, my mother moved to the U.S. to stay with my father. And they were in America getting their papers situated and things like that, right? And I grew up with my grandma, just like you, right? right. And my grandma, she showered me with love, okay? Both of my grandmothers. My father's mother was in the village, and my mother's mother was uh, in Abada City. Okay. Um, and they were more educated. My mother's mother, you know, she was more educated. Her family is more, a little bit more uppity, more bougie. So it was more appropriate for me to be there, you know, because th- that way I can be around somebody who is quote unquote educated. Right. And she showered me with love. I don't know if it was because I was her grandchild or she, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but she loved me so much. And I didn't really lack anything um, relative to the situation in Nigeria, at least the Southeast Nigeria. Right. Um, but there was always something that was missing, you know, not being with my own family. Okay. You know, you grew up in Nigeria. Everyone in Nigeria knows that America is relatively better than the U.S. The U.S. is relatively better than Nigeria. Everybody wants to go to America because that's where things are popping. But right? it, it has always not been like that. Uh, it hasn't always I, right been Right now, like yes, I agree with you. But uh, just going back, it hasn't always been like that. But yeah, of course, uh, right now, people think, yeah. When I was growing up. I grew up in but You grew up in Lagos. No, I actually grew up, I grew up different places. Uh, So I grew up in Anambra. Okay. Yeah, Oba. I grew up in Anambra with my grandmother. Just like you, I didn't like anything. Um, You know, the love was there. Um, Not maybe so much like you. I didn't think about you know, my other missing, like, any mm-hmm. integral part of my family. Mm-hmm. I was so comfortable. <clears throat> and I'm not saying this, like, you know, to yeah, make of course. you feel any kind of way. That's fine. But, yeah, uh, I just, it was just me and my grandmother. And, yeah, I didn't think I needed that. Uh, I started feeling that way when I got much older, when I moved away from her. Mm-hmm. I started feeling like, oh, I wish I was living with my own mom, dad, mm-hmm. and my siblings. But when I was living with her, I didn't feel that way. I was just comfortable <coughs> and uh, content with, like, you know, yeah. what was around me. And, yeah, it was fun. So from I was born um, from zero to ten, uh-huh. I was with her. And then um, from ten, I moved to the city. I moved to Lagos. And uh-huh. that's where um, I, you know, that's my second part of, like, you know, living in Nigeria, too. But, yeah. Oh, but my case is different, man. I, yes, I was very comfortable. Yeah. My grandmother provided everything that I needed, and my father used to send money back to Nigeria. You know, when you send dollars to Naira, it's much, much larger. So I was right. able to go to a good school in Aba. I was able to eat good and things like that, right? But for me, there was always something missing, because just knowing that my parents, my father and my mother, are somewhere in America. They lived in Los Angeles at the time, right. and they had my sisters, 
Okay, so there's like a whole family going on without me. I think maybe that's why you felt that way. Exactly. You know, you had we had a family, and uh, they're not there with you. Exactly. I I just had my mom. Uh, I wasn't. I didn't know who my dad was at that time. Okay. So, uh, but I just it was just my mom. But and she lived in the same country. So you see. So mm. uh, yours they were. She didn't feel too far. Yeah, she didn't. And visit. she used to visit too, right? She used to visit. Exactly. Yeah. See, and, <laughs> she and that's the thing. She she was visiting a lot. Maybe maybe once, <coughs> twice. And we will also, I don't think we ever went to visit her, did we? No, I don't think so, because she was living with my auntie. Uh, I think we, we went a couple of times, but yeah, I think that's where okay. you know, the difference is. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I see that, okay. So my parents, you. my family lived in, in America, and they yeah. didn't visit. My dad used to visit, I think he visited like two or three times, you know, before I turned 10. Turned 10. Um, but my mother, I never saw her, never did, never saw my sisters. Mm. And I would talk, we would talk on the phone, you know, and back in the day, talking on the phone was a big deal. It's, it's not Expensive. like today you have yeah. WhatsApp and, you yeah. know, cell phones and things like that. Right. It was landlines. I had to be scheduled and things like that. It was expensive as fuck. Mm, yeah, it was. Um, and I would hear their voice on the phone. It was just like, yo, I just want to be there. Right. And when I see my aunts, my uncles come back to Nigeria, they show pictures. I wanted to be there. Right. Mm. But in as much as I wanted to be there, again, in, I, I, my life was okay right. with my grandma. But I remember, and like I mentioned in, in a podcast episode that I talked talked about, I remember when my mother came to Nigeria for the first time after I was born. Mm-hmm. I was nine years old. Right. And I was so excited. Like I was anticipating her return. return. You know, mm-hmm. like I was really excited. I wanted to meet her for the first time. Right. I had heard stories. I just, you know, I had this whole fantasy of how we're going to be cute together and all that <laughs> coon shit. Yeah. Child, when I tell you I was so disappointed, it was so bad. That visit was bad. It was supposed to be a two week, two weeks visit. Okay. And she was visiting with two of my sisters. And okay. I just remember she was so bitter and angry. And I swear to God, it was like the worst experience ever. And I remember she was yelling at me. Mm-hmm. It was me. I was there. I was nine years old, by the way. I was yeah. there. My grandma was there. Uh, her aunt, my aunt, her elder, uh, eldest sister, two of her sisters were there. And my sisters are braiding their hair because they're trying to go, you know, before they come back to America, they were getting their hair done. Okay. My sisters were eight years old and the other one was six years old. And she was yelling. And she was just angry. And her anger was she is not happy with her marriage. She's not happy with her marriage. And when she got married to my dad, she didn't love him and she wanted to leave. But uh, but she was pregnant with me. Right. Okay. And because she was pregnant at the time, she didn't want to abort the baby because she's a Christian woman mm-hmm. um, and she was forced to stay in a marriage. And now her life is miserable. And she was yelling on top of her voice. And for me, that hurt. I feel like a part of me died hearing that you know it's one thing was this directed to you or directly like, to me and yeah. i remember her her sister was telling yes, me you need to chill yo okay. that's just a kid yeah. you know he did nothing to you you've never seen him before he's never seen you before this is probably not a good impression she didn't care right but i say all this to say that is a bitter mentality that a lot of times our parents talk to us with mm-hmm. right now mine hit a little bit different because this is somebody who is a stranger to me right. so there was no bond you know and i remember a co-worker of mine also nigerian that i met a while ago she told me that nigerian parents talk in a negative i never really thought about that until she, until mm. she mentioned it right they, they they talk in the negative but that's a way of life to to kind of like push you to, to push better. you 
right? But because I never about that, that but way. exactly yeah. me neither. But because of the bond that you have with your mother, like even though she talks down on you or your father talks down on you, they also step up in other ways. Right. So you feel protected. Mm-hmm. And thinking back now, I also remember my grandma doing the same thing too. But the difference is my grandma, I had that bond with her. So when she talked down on me, my brain didn't pick it up as talking down. It was never condescending. Right. I saw it as discipline. Right. So, but because I never had that bond with her, it forced me to see her who for who she really is, right? Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, that rift got even bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, right? right? And I was just like, it got to a point where like, I was trying to find my voice, you know, of course, after moving to America, I was trying to find my voice, find myself, find my confidence, you know, like I had to move away from home and just pave my own way for myself. And because we didn't have that bond, it was so easy for me to eject, right? right? And the thing too is, looking back, because we don't have that bond, it forced me to see her for what she is and start seeing a whole lot of, you know, I, start, I started seeing a whole lot of that repetitive behavior in a lot of Nigerians, you know, and that kind of, mm. that made me feel like, ah, uh-huh, this is actually more, much deeper, you know, does that make sense? And then also being a queer Nigerian, has also forced me to also, you know what, knowing that as a queer person and being Nigerian, you can never, it's very, it's going to be very difficult for you to find a Nigerian, the Nigerian community to 100% accept you and appreciate you. Yeah. That also forced me to even keep seeking my own voice and my own truth by myself, right? And from my mentality, it was like, they don't even like me anyway. Right. You know, that was the mentality. So I might as well just go out and find my voice and do my own thing. So I went through therapy, trying to find my confidence, trying to find my voice and try to, you know, and in the course of doing that, I'm looking back now and I'm seeing, yo, the trash is full. And if, in a way, in as much as it was, it was a disadvantage for me that I didn't grow up with my family, it kind of became my own, my, my own source of inspiration. You know, like it helped me in a way, look at things from a totally different perspective. You know, it helped me in, in a way, it, it's like an advantage to look at, like, what's wrong with the bigger picture. Okay. You know, why didn't I fit in to begin with? And then I'm able to see, like, okay, this is why I didn't fit in. This is why things were off, right? And then I had to go away to find my own my own voice. Does that make sense? I, I think it makes sense, but it's, it's actually uh, quite sad that um, for, in order for us to find ourselves, we have to go through, you know, mm-hmm. so much struggle mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes <coughs> it's not always like um and str- you know struggles are different and sometimes it's not always pleasant and sometimes you know it damages a lot of things uh in us mentally yeah i, I feel like like i always say to people one of the biggest advantage that i have even though it was once it was never it wasn't always an advantage one of the biggest advantage that i have is the fact that i knew what it felt like to not fit in from a really young age like, I try so hard to fit in, you know, with mm. my family, yeah. with, you know, being a part of a family. And then it just didn't work. Then I had to walk away to find my own path, right? And then when I look back, the fact that I didn't even fit in helped me. I walked away and I came back and I saw, like, it was actually probably a good thing that it didn't fit in. Right. Because if I had fit in, I would have perpetuated the exact same thing now that I see that are problematic. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of that behavior around, you know, like there's always enmity. I, I feel like there's always enmity. You know, there's always some type of negative 
energy, negative vibe with uh, with a lot of the older family members. Right. You know, like somebody's quarreling with somebody, somebody's fighting with somebody. There's always competition. Mm-hmm. There's always unhealthy competition. You know, I I don't know. I just so I, if you, if you didn't move out here, do you think you will have discovered all these things? If you didn't move out here and like you know, I definitely do think that there's. Um, uh, there is a huge privilege attached to living in America. Okay. America definitely helps definitely. somebody like me, you know, venture out because America is a no man's land. This is a country where the child of nobody can be somebody without needing anybody. True. Okay. Yes. And being in America gave me that opportunity. And also, America is a very individualistic system type of thing. You know, as opposed to Nigeria, that's very collective. Yeah. Um, so being in America, I was able to venture out, find my own voice and do things my own way. And it was also easier because America has resources that help you fix things. Right. I'm a fixer. So to me, when I look in the mirror and something is missing, I go fix it. Yeah. So I needed education. I went to go fix it. I went to school. I needed money. I fixed it. I want to want to go get a job. I didn't have to worship anybody to get you know my own shit. Mm-hmm. I wanted a home. I want to go get it. Right. I wasn't happy. My mental health was horrible. I want to go fix it. I went to therapy. Imagine trying to go to therapy in Nigeria. They try to talk all kinds of shit to you. Like, what does this? What's wrong with this one? I think. Hey, yeah, I go think, to therapy. <laughs> I think the actually okay. Are you speaking of like your family and friends rebelling against therapy or the actual therapist? Because they have they have therapists. I've heard people. Maybe therapy. now, maybe now, but it's not. Now, it's yeah. not as mainstream now. No, it's not. Maybe in the big cities. You I, know. Actually, I'm telling you, like right now. Okay, I was. I was the other day. A uh, long time ago, I was telling my mom. Oh, like you know, it would be nice to see a therapist, and she was like, "Oh, are you are you are you going crazy or uh, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, they're going to use that against you, saying that you are mad?" So I was like, you "No." See, and that's exact, no, exactly exactly the same, the same <laughs> yeah. mentality that I'm talking about. Yeah. That's a, that negative mentality. And I rolled my eyes so much. I was like, "Why?" I mean, I feel like you should get this, but I guess, um, I guess it's still the same thing mm-hmm. with every other Nigerian parent. And she was like, "Oh, you're not mad, like you know." I mean, is anything wrong with you? I was like, I mean, I would like to talk that talk about that with my therapist, right? Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, that'll be something bad against your rec- your record or something like that. And then yeah. I was like, you know, I'm not even gonna listen to that. And of course, uh, you know, I have my resources to go do my findings. Mm-hmm. So and of course, I'll go do that. That's why we have friends, we have the internet and stuff like yep. that. And I'll go look that up. So yeah. You would think that uh, your mother would be somebody to support that, actually. Yeah. But she's I, I, doing the opposite. Yeah, she's doing the opposite. And that really surprised me uh, as a healthcare worker that she is. Uh, exactly, yeah. bro. So you see my know. point? Is it, and I remember <laughs> yeah. my mom said the exact same thing, the exact same words. They'll be in your record. They'll think you're crazy, which is all bullshit, by the way. And it's really interesting because that's what she studies. She studies psychology. Mm-hmm. You would think somebody who is a psychologist, who went to school, who works in the healthcare industry, would know better. But no. And this is the mentality that I'm talking about, right? If you feel like something is missing, right. and that thing that is missing is your mental health, you don't feel happy, you don't feel accomplished. You know, maybe on the surface you look good. You have money, you have, you know, financial, all that good stuff, right? But internally you feel like something is missing. It is your job to fix it. And if you don't know how to, that's okay. There are professionals out there who yes. that is their job. But the typical Nigerian mentality will try to have you believe that therapy is for weak people or is an American thing. Actually, it's because you're, you've come to America now. You want to do like Ohibo. Actually, they will send you to the pastor. That's where they send you to. Exactly. Yes, they will say, oh, we need to pray. 
and all that stuff and uh yeah because growing up okay growing up uh and growing up you know living with my auntie we have family of course i, I didn't know what mental health is right now so there's an incident that happened uh, when my cousin uh said she wasn't happy mm-hmm. and my auntie was like why are you not happy we have everything in the house we have wi-fi <laughs> 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 we have wi-fi <laughs> You eat three times a day. <laughs> I, 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 trust me, it's not funny, but it's funny. But we have Wi-Fi. You eat three times a day. Oh, she was like, "Oh, how many of your friends? How many of them have internet in their house?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh God!" And you know, and she made all that thing. And but her daughter kept saying, "I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy." And she she said, "Okay, I mean, I don't understand what that is. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not happy." Should we give you money to go somewhere? You want to go somewhere? <laughs> it's not that though. Yeah, and it, when I think about that, and I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. she was she was definitely not happy, and yeah. she needed to talk to somebody. It wasn't about the Wi-Fi. Or the it food. wasn't. It's not about um, the things you can give the kids, and I think that's what Nigerian parents think. Mm-hmm. They think if they give you money and take you to school and clothe you and put a roof over your head, mm-hmm. that's all they need to do. And of course, uh, this goes back to generational that's what the parents did for them and that's what the parents parents mm-hmm. did for them as long as uh, you know these things are there and when you start complaining that you're not happy it feels it makes them feel like you're ungrateful Grateful, yes. and they will start saying oh do you know how much time I go out yes. there I, I, I make money I bring money for you and it's all it's always about the money money and they use that opportunity because I sat out in my in my auntie's family uh, everyone is working. No mm-hmm. one has time for the kids. Mm-hmm. Like you can ask my auntie now and say, "Oh, what's your child's favorite color?" She doesn't know that. Mm. Uh, just the basic thing. They don't know that. It's all about. Oh, we have to bring money home, mm. and that's when you start losing connection to your kids. Your kids. You don't know your kids. You think you know your kids. You. Yeah. You think you know your kids, but you don't know them. Trust <coughs> me, you don't know anything about them. Mm. Uh, just because you. You, and they end up saying, oh, we raised you right. I mean, why are you acting this way? Mm-hmm. But you didn't uh, end up like getting to know them. Exactly. And even when they want to tell you what's going on, mm-hmm. you rebel and you, 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 know, you curse them out. Mm-hmm. And there's this, you do some, some sort of like emotional blackmail. Mm-hmm. And of course, like, you know, how does that kid mm-hmm. talk to you? You keep pushing them away. You keep pushing them away. You push them away so far. And when they're older, they don't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. They yeah. resent you. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like that, you know, like <coughs> with my family now, it's just like, okay, um, people be like, oh, we don't, we don't, Chukuma, we don't hear from you. You don't talk to us. I'm exactly. like, when I was younger, you you pushed me away yeah, you without really realizing that you are. Yeah, you never really you pushed to me. me away. We never had a conversation. So if you expect us to have a conversation now, when I'm grown, I'm sorry, we can't do that uh-huh. because that found, you have to start building the foundation. You have to start building yes. something from when I was little to now. Exactly. I can't just start speaking to you because exactly. You know, I don't know why you expect me to start speaking to you. You, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's it's funny how this whole things work, and uh, I'm, Nigeria. The thing Nigerians we say, oh, family is everything. You don't push away your family. You have to hold them close, and they're always quick to covering stuff up. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about it. It's mm-hmm. always like let's keep covering. We're laying it up. Yeah. We're covering it. We're covering it, and that they don't know that it does, but it kind of like builds a lot of. Um, you know, toxicity, you know, microaggressions, enmity, yeah, toxicity, stuff like that. Enmity. And it's always, it's internally. 
It's yeah. not what we see because people, when we like, when you <coughs> go out, um, what do you see with the naked eye? You see, like, you know, good looking, well clothed. Mm-hmm. You don't see, that. yeah. Ishiago, <laughs> they come out, yeah. The Jeep, but you don't see what's going inside. Yes. Them. There's a lot going inside them, yeah. And the thing they'll say, especially for men, yeah, health, uh, mental health is hard for men, African men in general, to kind of like this, uh, oh. talk about it. Right, um, the thing they would say, oh, be a man, okay. Yes. But what what does being a man mean? Why can't yes. I just be human, right? Uh, why can't I just talk about how I feel, or why can't I do stuff that is not considered being a man? Uh, growing up, um, I didn't play sports, football. I didn't soccer. <coughs> the Americans call it soccer. Mm-hmm. I didn't play soccer, uh, and the only reason I didn't play soccer was because um, I didn't want to be dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't want to after playing soccer I'll be dirty, but I guess that's what being a man mm-hmm. is. And people make fun of my classmates, they make fun of me mm-hmm. when I'm playing soccer. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Or like video games. I played video games, but um it wasn't like you know, it wasn't even something I wanted I, I want to be doing mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. But you find boys that my age back then that oh, all they want to do is play video games. Mm-hmm. I mean and it's because I guess some of them don't really want to play video games, but when they see their friend doing it, they mm-hmm. wanna join in. So, but uh, at the end of the day, it's just like, you know, uh, men in Africa, or uh, uh, African in general, yeah. we don't talk about it. Mental health. Yeah, we just like, you know, brush everything <coughs> away. Bruh, and, yeah. you've made some really interesting points, man. And I remember, again, like like I said, the advantage that I have is the lack of relationship that, that I have with my mother. And it took me many years of therapy to actually realize that actually that's an advantage. Mm-hmm. Used, I used to feel like it was a disadvantage, but it forced me like, you know, like I'm not even accepted here. So I'm going to step away and look at things from a totally different perspective. It right. would have been so much easier for me to, you know, conform to that mentality and let a lot right. of that mentality get to me. Right. So it felt like, you know what? I'm not even wanted here. I, I don't even fit in. So I'm just going to go away and find my own voice and find my own thing. And I did it my way without letting that influence you know and i feel like again like i mentioned earlier one of the biggest incentive was being queer and mm-hmm. i know that especially with a typical religious african household queer and africa just doesn't mix you know so it i felt like i felt mm-hmm. like you know there's no room for me here anyway so i'm going to go out and do my own thing and then it was after i went out there did my own thing worked on myself holistically and continued to because you know it's not it, it's a never-ending process right, right. Then I started seeing some of the issues, why I didn't even fit in to begin with, you know, right. why I don't even want to fit in now. As a kid, I wanted to fit in because who, what kid doesn't want to be a part of a family, yeah, right? Wants to be loved. But now yes. looking back, I'm glad I didn't fit in because I could easily see how I would have conformed to it. And when I look at like my mother, for example, one of the things that she did a lot, there was always so much bickering between her and her siblings. Mm. Bro, it is mad. It, it is ridiculous, right? There's this unhealthy competition. And the interesting thing is with when they're all in the same room, they look successful. Right. You know, this one's a doctor. This one's this and this one that. You know, they look good. They got money. They got, you know, they got all kinds of shit. Mansions and shit. You know what I'm saying? Well, mansions to Nigerians, Chad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not to me. Yeah. But, you know, but they're good. They're yeah. doing good. Well off. Yeah. Many people in Nigeria will kill to be, to have what they what have. They have yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But there's so much enmity. There's competition between the, the, you know, like there's almost like my mother is pitting us against our cousins. 
And because of that toxic toxic behavior, I don't even have relationship with my cousins. Yeah. As a result of that. Oh, don't talk to that person. Don't don't talk. You know, like what the fuck? That's your blood. You know, there's so much of that. And it's like, this is not healthy. This is not healthy. And it's interesting. A person like my mother, just like your mother, would be the same person who'll tell you, talk down on mental health because there's no such thing as mental health problems. Right. But the truth is that Nigerians, a lot of Nigerians or Africans in general who don't believe in mental health embody that mental health depreciation. When you're sitting there talking down on your own sibling, when you're sitting there pitting your kids against their cousins, that is a sign of mental health problem. Right. But because you're not being right. real with yourself, right. because you're not... And entertaining the open, you're not open-minded enough to entertain the idea of possibly fixing something that is broken. You will never know, and you will stay in the darkness forever. And just like you mentioned before, there's this be- belief that as long as you sprinkle Jesus, you sprinkle Jesus on top of you, yes, everything is okay. Everything is okay. Eh? We pray. My cousins, my auntie. <laughs> eh, 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 matter of fact, if 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 I I see my I, I remember seeing my mom, she gets sick. And she's like, ah, it's your father's people in the village. Let's pray. That's it. Let's pray, yes. Or she, I remember so many times she talked about how she saw my grandma, my father's mother, in her dreams mm. because they had just seen her in the dream. Yeah. And I wanted to tell her, you know, probably because you keep thinking, thinking negatively about, yeah. about, about them. That's yes. probably why you keep seeing them in the dream. That's, that's what happened in dreams, yeah. And it's interesting yeah. that I'm the kid. and I'm, I have to tell a psychologist to graduate this shit. You know what I'm saying? But again, like I said, because you don't, Nigerians are people, or Africans in general, we don't entertain the idea of mental health, you know, to actually seek mental health repair. We don't realize that we are perpetuating that same behavior, the mental health depreciation. Like when somebody who is mentally sane looks at us, they see what's wrong they see. that you could actually benefit from. And if you actually, as a Nigerian or as, as an African, if you actually worked on yourself, a lot of the things that we find problematic, we would not find problematic. Your kid being distant from you wouldn't be as distant. Your kid will feel close. They'll feel more safe talking to you. They'll feel more comfortable talking to you. These marital problems that we have, we wouldn't have them. Mm-hmm. These relationship problems we have, we wouldn't have them. These toxic behaviors that we perpetuate, we wouldn't have them. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I've noticed, especially with Nigerian parents, but most especially with Nigerian men, it is, have you noticed it is very, very, very difficult to see a Nigerian hold themselves accountable? Oh, yes. Accountability? It's, it's not. It's, it's not like taboo. Yeah. It's always somebody. Uh, it's always somebody else's fault. Yeah. It's always somebody influencing. Oh, it's, like, oh, it's because of this. Uh, it's because of, oh, John uh, said I should do this. Oh, but you never. It's the same way with the government. Mm-hmm. It, it spills all the way to the government. The government is not holding themselves accountable. Um, I was watching this interview the other day, and um, one of the you know, the guy in the government said, "Oh, you can bully the president into talking to you." I was like, "That's his job to mm-hmm. talk to us to come if something bad happens, he's supposed to address us, right?" Mm-hmm. And it's just like, "Oh, or the famous thing they say, oh, it's not, it's not our fault." Because I have APC PDP. I say, oh, it's PDP. In the past 15 years, PDP has mm-hmm. been ruling you guys. Mm-hmm. That's why things are bad. Mm-hmm. But you're here. <clears throat> so can you, you've been here for four years. If you've, you've ruled one term. Mm-hmm. What did you do? Mm-hmm. Can you please take responsibility and say, oh, in the past four years, this is what I did. But it's just like that. Oh, PDP, it's all them. And we're not going to take responsibility. We're just going to come here for another eight years and mess things up more and we'll go away. But 
Trust me, PDP is a problem. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, but I, I definitely agree with you. That's, that that sounds very that similar to the whole um, Democrat versus Republican bullshit here as well. Yes, yeah. But at least in America, there's a level of self accountability. Yeah. I mean, um, if something happens, they'll call you out. Uh, it's a paper trail, they put it out there. But it's not like that um, in Nigeria, in community in, in Africa, in Africa. <laughs> yes. And I feel like a lot of people don't even understand how attractive self-accountability is. I think it's a very, very attractive mm. thing. You know, like you're so aware of yourself, your ability to look and in, look inward without being called out. Like, well, people want to be perfect sometimes. I think I think maybe that's a, that's a, a problem, too, as Africans. We want to always outwardly come out and say, oh, I can do no wrong. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I have never done any wrong and it's just like a thing for for Africans. So uh, people just want to be perfect and that's why they will never like take accountability serious. But uh, at what cause though? Right. Uh, <coughs> at the end of the day, people look out for themselves. That's all. It's all that matters to them. Uh, they don't care that other things are going bad you just want to come out and uh look presentable and oh i can't do no wrong and that's it you can't correct me okay i can understand i can understand in public saving face i call it saving face you know because you want to portray this uh facade to protect your image i can understand that but what i'm saying is in in the relationships though relationships that matter or should matter right let's say you and your child, you're having issues, right? Mm-hmm. Your kid is saying this, you know, um, your kid is complaining about something that you said or something that you did. Right. And instead of you sitting down to hear that kid out, understand, validate their pain. Mm-hmm. You may not necessarily understand what they're going through, True. but at least validate, hear them out, validate, like, it's okay. Part of life is pain. Right. Pain is inevitable. Okay. Right. Listen to them. Hold yourself accountable as to some of the things that you said that could be problematic to that kid. Mm-hmm. Even if you do mean what you said, at least try to communicate with that kid and let them know. Okay, next time, perhaps what I meant was right, but my delivery was off. Was wrong. You know what I mean? I'm gonna try to do it a different way because I care so much about you. Right. And I don't like the way you feel right now, as opposed to just tossing the kid away. And I think that's very problematic. And just like your cousin said, you yeah. know, like what yeah, I think it was your cousin yeah, that was complaining yeah. about mm-hmm. being sad and things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a, when I was a, a teenager back in California, I was depressed and I was staying with uh, my father's friend, family friend, something, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were driving the car. And I looked sad and he was he was kind of looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with him? Mm-hmm. You know, and I told him I was depressed and he just blew up, <laughs> you know, you're depressed. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're depressed. <laughs> you're in America. You're depressed. Do you oh, know how God. many people wish to be in America? Know. You know, things like that. Oh, that talk. Yeah. But can, can you imagine and can you imagine if that man had humbled himself? And this is a Ph.D. holder, by the way, a doctor. Mm. OK. Can you imagine if he had humbled himself, listened to me, try to at least hear me out? What is it exactly that's making you sad? And help me look at things from a totally different perspective. Right. Okay. What is it that is, that's making you sad? One of the things that was making me sad at that time was I wasn't with my own family. 
right? I wish I was living with my family, but at that time, I couldn't live with my family because there's so much enmity within my own family. Right. My mom and my dad fighting all kinds of shit, right? And I'm here in a strange place, in a strange person's house. If this man had come down to my level as a teenager, validated my feelings and mm -hmm. let me know, like, yo, I definitely feel, I understand what you're going through, or maybe right. I don't understand it, but I empathize, but just know that right now this is temporary. Right. This is temporary. Time will come when you will be reunited with your family. You just have to boss through this time, this dark times, face your school, get as much good grades as possible, just hang in there and things like that. I would have appreciated that. That would have gone a long way. Yeah. As opposed to me bottling things up. Because what ends up happening is next time when I when I feel when I feel some type of shittiness, I wouldn't even communicate it with them. You just like forget about it. Exactly. And yeah. I snap. I'd I'd be snapping over little bullshit things, you know, because it's just building up. And I feel like this is part of the men negative mentality that I'm talking about. And that kind of like, you know, spills out to like, you know, when you go outside, you know, your relationship with exactly. people, you spill all of that out, uh, all those things you're bottling, mm -hmm. uh, you just like, uh, you know. In a negative way yeah. too. Mm -hmm. And also, especially coming down, coming from a family dynamic where, um, like I said, Nigerian parents talking negative. Yeah. You can develop trust issues which can hurt you in relationships, right. okay? Like you're in a relationship with somebody who loves you or you love them, but you don't even know how to show them love. Mm -hmm. you, you're not communicating it enough, mm. you know? They, they, they don't understand what it is that's off with, with you, but you don't know how to show love. You don't even know if you feel love because you, if you've never felt it. And also you don't think it's a problem. You're like, oh, that's how I am. And that's all about Exactly, yeah. because that's what you've only observed. Right. You've never seen your mom and your dad be intimate, mm -hmm. loving. You know, you can't give what you don't have. You've never, right. maybe you've never really received love from yeah. a parent, you know, so you don't even know how to give it to somebody. And that person is like confused. Yeah. One thing I'll credit my, uh, my auntie and uncle is, I think when we got a little bit older, um, there was this thing they did where in the morning, like when we prayed, they would say, oh, if you had anything to say, you can say like, you know, they they let us like speak. But you have to watch what you say. <laughs> you cannot uh, be talking yeah. anyhow. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if I will give them a credit, but I think I think it's a credit because there are some families that don't even have yeah. like family session, yeah, like talk to each other. But yeah, we, yeah, we had a point where we say, okay, what do you have anything to say? And then I, I didn't say much because uh, um, I wasn't really connected with to them mm. in order to like say anything yeah. to them. Uh, I don't Before know. Before you say one now, yeah. you just dash you one guy whole slap. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I, the, the kids spoke up sometimes. They were like, "Oh, oh, mom, I don't like what you did. This, I don't, dad, I don't like how you did that." And they was they will be sorry. Sometimes when they say sorry, it's non-challengely. Yeah. Or they it's will. It's not genuine. Yes. Or they will like try to gaslight up, it. Yeah. Bring up some old story and like you know something that happened in the past and then intertwining to the situation mm. and then when i said oh well, you know okay uh, i apologize for that not even say i apologize like okay you know i wouldn't do it again uh, mm. but it's always it's not always 100 percent. i want to hear from you yeah uh, it's almost agenda driven yeah it's agenda yes so that way they can then like get you more mad and you're you're regretting why you even spoke mm. spoke out you know and they wouldn't they, they don't want they don't they don't genuinely don't they don't want to listen to you it's just 
make you feel like you're being heard but yeah. at the end of the session you feel more like a loser yes you're because like, they're telling you at I the end win. of the day like you know like, i win yeah i win and i'm a parent exactly right? so I guess uh, they did that. They did that, and uh, I, I, I couldn't. I didn't say anything because I, I saw how their reaction was to the other kids mm-hmm. because there was three of them, and uh, what they said and uh, the reaction wasn't pleasant. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "How will my own? Uh, let me just. <laughs> how will my own experience be if it's like this?" So I was like, "Okay, well, let me just let me just back with my own business, <laughs> right?" So yeah. Wow. But how do we move on from this? Because I feel like it, it, it is up to us, the future, you know, to to heal and move, move on from this shit. Yeah, I think the present generation are doing a, a, a great job. You think so? I think do so. Do you really think so? Uh, not how? 100%. How? But just uh, from the people that I've interacted with, mm-hmm. um, especially, okay, especially if they are queer. Okay. Right. So I think if if you're among uh, uh, a subdued, um, marginalized uh-huh. uh, community, I think you start to see mm-hmm. a problem, a, a lifestyle within mm-hmm. like you know, a bigger community. Mm-hmm. So I think just speaking from you know the people I've, I've, I have associated with back home, they're queer. I can see how they're trying to change the narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these things. And sometimes they're like, oh, this is not even right. Like, you know, the way we are, just like the basic things that we need, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's hard. Every time we need to do something, you have to, some things that are supposed to be easier to get, mm-hmm. like, you know, going to school and getting your certificate. Mm-hmm. No qualms. You don't even have to. Here, when you go to school, you don't even have to ask for a certificate. They send you a certificate. Mm-hmm. You don't have to ask for it. You don't have to request for it. But back then, you have to go find, you know, mm-hmm. easy stuff like that. You know, and they start seeing how bad mm-hmm. that is. Um, also, just, you know, within the family. So, since we we're talking about family, they start seeing how, you know, their parents, things that they said, things that they did, they wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking on, like, also, I was listening to the podcast they were talking about, uh, in the case, there are, maids they call them maids mm-hmm. uh, that's ha- house helps or maids uh i'm mm-hmm. sorry if i use the wrong term um and they said speaking on that too they're like oh this isn't right people mm-hmm. shouldn't be should, people shouldn't have young kids taking care of young kids because mm-hmm. that's wrong mm-hmm. and also just the way their parents interact with their parents uh they try to be a better version of themselves um to always like you know be open to talking to people and to receiving criticism uh, criticism, right? So it's it's. Uh, I think I think they're doing a good job, but I don't know about the other people in the. Uh, that but you're talking about yeah, you're talking about the queer people. Yeah. But you, do you see how go, that goes back to what I was saying too? Like I had to walk away. Yeah. Like I was forced to eventually. Uh, initially, I really wanted to be part of it because who doesn't want to be part of something, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the innate nature, our our nature to be family oriented to be part of a team right but because from cradle right i was not made to be part of that team i didn't feel like i I fit in and then as i started gaining more consciousness as a human being i i found out that this 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 team is not even for me so i had to force I was forced out i had to go out there to find my own voice and then come back and start saying you know what this team that I used to wish I was part of, I don't even want this shit because right. it's a hot mess, right? Right. So how are the other people who are not necessarily, who don't have that disadvantage that I had, you know, who conform to the status quo, how are, how are they 
uh, challenging the status quo? How can we challenge the status quo? Because when I look at people like my mother or, you know, some of these aunties, I see the same behavior in their kids, the same behavior in their parents and their grandparents, whoever's living. You can see that from generation to generation. It's almost like it's almost like carbon copy. Yeah. You know, so how can we move on with this? Like us, you know, and I know, too, that there is privilege with living associated with living in the West. Mm-hmm. Okay, where America gives people like us or people like me anyway the opportunity to be themselves, um, go for your, just be a boss, right? Without needing to kiss anybody's ass. True, you True. know. Um, so it's easy for me to challenge a lot of those things and just say, you know what, nah, that that fuckery, I don't want to hear. Right. And if you're not going to dance to my beat, I don't want you here. You know what I'm saying? While I work on myself, too. But I can see that being more of a challenge in Nigeria. And Nigeria, obviously, is is where the majority of Nigerians live. So how can we collectively, both Nigerians on the continent and Nigerians in diaspora, how can we collectively try to change our narrative? Working on our mental health. So, you know, like our collective mental mentality so that we can overcome some of these mental slavery, mental chains. And hopefully help ourselves because because this thing is starting to look somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think most of these things. Uh, I, th- I think personally, I would take all the way back to uh, what I say. I don't know. Maybe colonization. Um, colonization, white supremacy. Yeah, because um, all this bow down, respect, all this like oh. Just you don't challenge anybody. You can't do stuff by yourself. I think it all goes back to you know how we were colonized mm. and how they had us for. Because some of some of us, some of the African countries are still like you know, not in depth. They're still like you know, kind of like speaking or walking hand in hand with our colonial masters. Mm-hmm. Of course, we are independent, but we're not exactly independent. We're not. Uh, so mentally, yeah, definitely mental, not. So I think that affects your mental health too. So I think we, we need to start seeing that we as Africans, or maybe speaking of Nigeria, uh, that you know we can achieve so much. You know, trying like you know be probably come together. Um, we can change the narrative. Uh, of course, you know just deassociating ourselves with you know these colonial masters. So bas- so basically, you're saying you're basically saying to try to dissociate ourselves with the colonist mindset. Yes. Um, fight white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is definitely on a larger scale what we need to be doing. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's, that's even going large before we start <clears throat> going deep into like, you know, fixing all that family yeah. stuff. But on a personal level, though, like on an, in, uh, on an individual level, what can people do on their own? I could tell you a couple of things that I've done okay. on I mean, Because, I mean... You know, but but when I'm the weirdo. Say, I'm called a weirdo. <laughs> no, you no, know, no, no. within the African, the the whole, within the African Nigerian, you know, um, community, I'm the I'm the oddball because you you're open minded. They're not. Yeah, but but yeah. that's what I'm saying, and I, I recognize so that. So how would how would they receive what you're telling them to do? That's a problem. Exactly. I, I guess I have to lead by example. And I, shoot, I got issues too, Chad. True, you know, what I'm saying everybody got issues, yeah. but I I force myself to grow. And I also recognize the fact that, again, the, the privilege that I have, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that I had to come to America to have the privilege, right? Right. But the privilege I had helped me get away. 
and work on myself and I still continue to work on myself. Mm -hmm. But in as much as I have the privilege of living in America, there are Africans living in America who have the exact same privilege that I have, but they're not utilizing it. They perpetuate the exact same problem. So how can we give, inspire those people? How can we push them, motivate them to do something? Because a lot of times when I see, you know, what I see, I see this collective pain in a lot of Africans in the U.S. Even the, even outside the U.S., when I travel, I've seen some Nigerians and some Africans from other parts of Africa, you know, in different countries, the Europe, Europe, the U.K., um, Asia. There's They may not say it to you directly right then, mm-hmm. but you can see that there's a collective pain that we all sure. have. It's yeah. always somebody's, for, you know, like... Uh, Pressuring you to get married, mm-hmm. pressuring you to send money, which you shouldn't be doing, pressuring you to do this, and you're losing yourself. You're constantly doing losing yourself, and there's a pressure to conform to that because if you don't conform to that, you're the weirdo, you're the outcast, you're the this, you're the that. Uche happens to be one of the people who say fuck that. Mm-hmm. I said fuck that because I'm not going to kill myself or anybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. so I had to walk away to find myself. So how can we inspire? Challenge more young people, not even young, you don't have to be young, but like more Africans at home and in diaspora to change this fuck, fucked up situation because we need something to do to happen. I think just I'll just go off what you said about um, you recognizing that you can pull yourself away from that. Mm-hmm. Just like what you did. I think uh, people should be able to see that uh, they can pull themselves. They can always like, you know, be able to like get themselves out of that stuff. And people should be able to tell themselves the truth. Like, okay, this thing I'm doing, I'm making life a little bit hard be for honest. myself. I yeah. Yeah. Tell yourself the truth. Thank you. Oh, my like, God. Yes. Yeah, and be like, oh, this is not right. This be is honest. Not, this is not healthy. But, um, yeah, I think it has to do with everyone individually. Um, it, ha- it has to start with self. Yeah, self. And yeah, just like you said, um, be a blueprint for everyone to copy. So mm-hmm. how you live your life, uh-huh. right? Because I think people can also <coughs> people pick up things like you mm-hmm. know when they hang around, around you. When mm-hmm. you say, "Oh, I don't appreciate that. I don't do that," they start looking into into <coughs> themselves. I'm like, "Oh, like I remember when I did that. Uche didn't like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's actually like fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. You know." And they talk to themselves mm-hmm. if they're able to do that. If yeah. they're humble enough to speak to yeah. themselves. But if you know, they're always like, "Oh." I'm always the boss. Like, you can't tell me nothing. I'll mm-hmm. do what I want. They won't be able to see that. <coughs> but uh, being you as yourself, as Uche, being yourself, and people looking at you, uh, how you live and how you live your life, mm-hmm. I think that can also be a way to mm-hmm. show uh, Africans or Nigerians mm-hmm. that, you know, you can be different. You too can. But, yeah. Uh, it, it's 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 gonna be hard. It's going to be hard, but like I said, it, it <laughs> starts with self. You have to be willing. It's it's and, going to be hard. And and like I said, um, the way I did it, I had to be honest with myself. Just like you said, child, mm-hmm. I had to sit with myself. Like, man, this this is this is not working. And I'm a natural problem solver. I don't like to be uncomfortable. I don't like to be stressed. I don't like stress at all. Right. Anyone who knows me on a personal level knows that I'm not here for stressful shit. No, okay. The, 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 Life we live in, the world is stressful already. Exactly. So Thank you. Why do you traffic is stressful? <laughs> yeah. This heat is stressful. Yes. So I don't want anything unnecessary on me. True. So once once I, I hit on an unnecessary stress, I feel like there's something in my head that's telling me problem, problem, problem needs to be solved. Right. Not tomorrow, today. 
I sit with myself and I'm very honest about it. This, how can I get rid of this, right? Effectively, though, without hurting myself, without hurting people around me. Mm -hmm. But I just know that this cannot exist. That's what I feel like everybody needs to be doing. Not not just not even just Nigerians or Africans. Literally, everybody needs to be doing this. Right. You know, having that sense of self awareness. You know, and the second thing too is that I I recognize that I don't know everything. A lot of Africans, especially Nigerians, that you know, I too know. <laughs> I feel like yeah. we know everything. Yeah, it's okay to seek help when you don't know. Thank it you. is impossible for you to literally know everything. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. Even with Google, it's impossible. You know, seek help, seek professional help. And there's help out there. There is. I've had countless therapy sessions. And at first, a few years ago, I used to be embarrassed about it. I used to feel some type of emasculated, you know, about it. But no, I embody it now because thanks to these countless therapy sessions, I am who I am. And I'm very proud of who I am. And I have people in my life who love, appreciate me, and validate me for that person that I've become thanks to these lengthy therapy sessions. That's, that, that's all you need. That's and I think need. people need to be doing that. And again, like I've, I've talked about on a previous episode, I feel like a lot of people think therapy means that you literally have to be talking to a professional. No, it doesn't. You can, you should start there because you got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the golden, the golden, um, the golden the golden goal is to have a healthy group of network of friends right. or family members that you can talk honestly and openly with they see your vulnerability they see your humanness or humanity they love you appreciate you they don't judge you they right. lift you up because life is all about ups and downs right okay. i'm not trying to just be chilling with you when i'm when i'm up everyone is going through it so exactly like a nice day yeah so if i have that good friend that even if it's just one person that on a day that life is bringing me down that i can i know i can be I like i want to be like yo bro can i come over and you and i would sit down over coffee tea wine or whatever we talk heart to heart mm -hmm. and you hear me out i can cry on your shoulder things like that that is a form of mental health help in my opinion but uh, i mean if you want to start off just uh, so so that way we don't kind of like say that the professionals are not important. They're, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. what I'm saying. I know, I know that's not what I'm saying, like, in a way, so people don't mis misconstrue what you're saying. But I'm saying, what I'm, what I'm trying to say, not that you're saying the wrong thing, I'm saying that for people that are not comfortable mm -hmm. with speaking to friends, you can start off with... Exactly, you got to start somewhere. That's yes. why I started. Yes. And yes. then the therapist will give you a neutral and biased opinion. True. You know? And that will help you and that's bring why. out yourself, <laughs> your true self. And that's why, because... I, some friends are always like, yes, exactly. yes, 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 no, no. So, exactly. So that, that's, that can be a problem. That's exactly. why professionals should be the one, at least in the beginning. In the beginning, yes, right? Yeah. So the professional will help you live your life, you embody your truth. And I believe that when you're being yourself, embodying mm -hmm. your truth and maximizing your potential, the right people for you will naturally gravitate towards you. True. That's why I say that should be the golden goal. Mm -hmm. You know, eventually, maybe not right now because you have so much shit that you have to you have to sort out and deal with and, you know, work on. Mm -hmm. But eventually, over time, it's okay to see results. When you start talking to a professional who is giving you unbiased opinion, you know, you are going to start molding into your true self. Right. And life is going to get relatively easier for you than it used to be. You know what I'm saying? You, you, a lot of things that used to stress you out are not stressing you out anymore. You are able to recognize the right types of partners. Relationships flourish more in relationships and things like that. Right. You hold yourself at a higher standard high that is reasonable and realistic and not uh, not uh, uh, ridiculous 
you know, you embody yourself, you're, you embody your true identity and you're confident in yourself. Mm -hmm. The right kinds of people will be in your circle eventually. True. You have people who look up to you. You have people who you look up to. You have people that it goes both ways. And it's a healthy, close niche. That's just what I'm saying, that that's a golden goal that you should reach, you aspire to reach, right? And yeah. that could be a form of therapy. Right. Mind you, that's what family is supposed to be. But yes. unfortunately, not all of us are privileged yes. to have that. So yeah. a lot of us, especially queer people, have chosen families. And that's what it should be. Mm -hmm. A family, we can drink, we can chit, chit chat and gossip and, you know, go party and things like that. Throw that ass in a circle and things like that, right? And mm -hmm. have fun, the, the parties and things like that. But when life hits, are you going to be there to catch me? Right. Are you going to be my therapy? Right. You know, when I'm going through things with my boyfriend or my girlfriend or whatever it is that I'm dealing with on, a, on my own personal level that I may not necessarily feel comfortable talking to literally anyone, mm -hmm. bring it to my own family because of fear of judgment. Are you right. going to be there to catch me? That's the therapy that I'm talking about. Right. And I feel like everybody should aspire to have that. Right. And in order to reach th th there, you have to start with yourself by mm -hmm. being honest, self-awareness, self-accountability. Sit, sit your ass down with yourself, you know, like I'm just being honest because I've done it. Yeah. Sit down and talk to yourself and be honest about yourself. Sometimes I bring a pen and I bring a paper and I just write it down. These are things I need to work on. These are things I need to bring into my life. These are things that I, I can, you know, can don't, go both ways. Don't allow your ego to get in the way. Exactly. Yeah. Ego is the enemy. That's actually a book that I'm trying to read. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. You know, but... Yeah, that's basically it. It's, it's mean, going to be difficult, you, you but we said, can do it. You said everything, uh, but I, I think the biggest one takeaway is just that ego and being able to be honest with yourself. Because if you're not honest with yourself, uh -huh. even when you enroll and start talking to a therapist, trust me, you will be hiding a few things away mm -hmm. from that therapist. You're wasting your time mm -hmm. and your resources. Uh, but the first place is just being honest with yourself. And remember, you're talking to yourself mm -hmm. and only yourself. Uh, bear it all out so that way when you start actually seeing a therapist <coughs> and then you know, talking to friends it gets easier it mm -hmm. gets easier every step but yeah I, I think you've said it all man you you said everything and, so, and when yeah. you're doing therapy make sure to shop around too because a lot of times the first person you match with may not actually be a match right. okay find somebody who speaks your language you know, not literally, but even though literally would definitely help. But somebody within your community, if you're queer, you might want to be with a, a queer therapist or an ally. Mm -hmm. If you're a woman, you might want to have a woman therapist. If you're a black person, you might want to have a black, black therapist. You know, a person who understands your plight. Struggle, yeah. Who understands your struggles, you know. A person that has, you know, been where you've been. Exactly. Walk walk. Uh, or at least open-minded enough to understand to, or have had some type of significant experience within that community or have has added anything you know significant exactly if they can if they have never added anything that definitely have an experience they exactly have, they can't speak to you about it mm -hmm. they can help you out honestly. and at that yeah. point you're just paying the bills yeah that's all you're doing yeah but yeah shop around shop around seriously this is for literally everyone black white african non-african nigerian non-nigerian african we need to you know mental health is very important if not, we're just going to be perpetuating the exact same problems that our parents had, the same mentalities that we see, we experienced with our parents that we didn't like. 
we may not necessarily know that these problems, these mentalities are problems, just like our parents didn't know there were problems and we're going to be passing it down to our kids. This is generational curse and we need to break the cycle. Yeah. It's not a prayer thing. God can help you. That's, that's why God has you here on earth. You should be able to help yourself. He has other resources for you. So mm-hmm. you can't pray it away. You can't pray uh, the generation curse away. When people, you know, people do prayers for generational curses. I don't know why, but on the, the, the <laughs> praying and fasting. Yeah, the whole seven days, seven days and night. Yeah. But they don't understand that they can actually fix that shit they're going through. But anyway, look. even the Bible said prayer without work is nothing. <laughs> Thank okay, you. so it's, you, it's you, not, you it's can not pray, you can have faith, but if you're not doing if you're not it's doing not jack working. shit, yeah, if you're not actually at the end of when you pray, get your ass up and in work and actually hold yourself accountable you'll be right back where you started i wish people knew that that prayer wouldn't solve anything if you're not doing anything because mm-hmm. you have to do the walk you have to go there and grab it mm-hmm. prayer is not going to go there and reach out to it and come give it to you you have to actually go there and it's the same thing with you know uh, i don't know if you ever if you ever went in the church you know growing up where they, they said oh let's pray for our government and stuff like that that was my dear professor. Look, looking back, <laughs> that, that was some BS because the government you're praying for, they're not, they don't care. They don't give two shits. They are looting and doing all that stuff. But anyway, we don't want to get into all that stuff. But anyway, that's basically it for this episode. Please um, let me know what y'all think down below. Uh, write down your comments. I really want to hear your opinions. You guys, especially the Africans, um, both the Africans that live on the continent and the Africans and diaspora, Nigerians and non Nigerians. Do you guys agree with everything we've said that there is this collective pain that a lot of Africans face this pressure to conform to this unhealthy mentality, typical uh, mentality, African mentality is keeping us mentally impoverished. Do you agree with me that uh, the, the typical African specific Nigerian family dynamic is so toxic and we need to break free of 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 this mental bondage? Um, and do you agree with me on therapy? Do you agree that therapy does work? Do you agree with me that a lot of people, a lot more people, men, women, young, old, you know, need to seek more therapy and try to fix our mental health? Because if not, if we don't fix it, we are going to be passing down the exact same type of mental problems that we've seen our parents embody in, in, into the next generation. And this is what Generation of Curse is all about. And if you don't agree with us, please share your thoughts down below. I really want to hear everybody's opinion. I really do. Please, please make sure to share with your friends and family. And uh, like I always said, subscribe as well. And, and, and if you're on YouTube, don't forget to hit that bell notification. So anytime I upload a video, you'll be the very first to be notified. Feel free to follow me on social media facebook and instagram at let's talk with uche feel free to send me an email at let's talk with uche at gmail.com my website is let's talk about us.org thank you very much for your wonderful support until next time bye-bye